giving a hundred and whatever you're doing at the time. So if you're at work, try not to be thinking about <laughs> drawing or something. Try to be a hundred percent focused on what you're doing at that time. Mm-hmm. I, and I get there's like downtime and maybe times where you don't have as much to do that day and maybe yeah. you, um, have time to work on something else. Uh, but try to give it your all at every, at what you're working on at that time. Are you wondering what's next? Has everything you tried failed? Or maybe you just feel a little bit stuck? Then coaching may be right for you. The coaching relationship is a relationship that's totally centered on you. If you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life, want to start seeing results, reach out to Incredible for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to paulferrandby.com or at I am Incredible on all my socials. Click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the best version of yourself. Turn this up. Turn this up. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Welcome to the Incredipal Podcast. And now, sharing his expertise, experience, and excellence with the world, here's your host, Paul Ferrandi. Hi, it's Paul Ferrandi, and welcome to another episode of my podcast. Today, I have the honor to have uh, Matthew with me on the podcast. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell him what you do? Yeah, I am Matthew Ferrandi. I am an electrical engineer for this company called ESI, um, aka Elemental Scientific. Nice. So what does it mean to be an electrical engineer at ESI? What does a typical day look like? A typical day, it ranges. So the main thing I do is updating electrical schematics and designs, which is just instruction manuals basically for the machines we build. So Mm -hmm. we make uh, machines that automate or monitor the chemical process of uh, making semiconductors. And that's different. There's different applications for those machines as well. So we get a wide range of companies that uh, purchase from us. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's basically what we do. Um, so day to day, like I said, mainly just updating designs for adding electrical components or things like that, adding that to the design, updating the schematic. Um, I'm mm-hmm. also checking with the people in production, which are the people who actually like hand make those stuff, um, okay. making sure everything matches up. So I get feedback from them if we're something doesn't match up with what we built with the actual uh, schematic, making mm-hmm. sure to update that. Um, very long winded, but <laughs> um, that's basically the main thing I do. No, I don't think it's long winded. I think you got into the details there. So you talk about semiconductors. I'm no electrical engineer. But I think those are in almost everything, right? Yeah, anything electronic usually has some sort of semiconductor application or use in it. Okay, okay. So I can you share as far as some of the typical people you work with that ESI works with? I don't know how much of that is a, a trade secret or like what are some of the companies that people might know that use ESI or can you not share that? Yeah, it, it, it's pretty much common knowledge. You can look it up if you wanted to find out um our biggest ones are companies like intel um samsung oh, wow. um tsmc um any company that's like in the semiconductor manufacturing process okay. or people we work with um 
the main people would deal with are on the like Asian side of things because a lot of the manufacturing for semiconductors is in Asia. Okay. So like Samsung, Korea, Intel, China, okay. places like that. Okay. So you're really one of the, the first steps as far as a lot of the electronics. Uh, so they get shipped out there and then some of the other manufacturing processes might be done in other locations or is it primarily done in Asia as far as to your knowledge? As far as I know, it's primarily done in Asia. I've okay. heard at least, I think Intel and maybe TSMC are, are building um, a fab site in Arizona. Okay. And then a, probably a bigger one, I think maybe Texas, they said. Um, so they're wanting to build more within the States. Um, but the, the bigger ones they have are in uh, the Asian countries. Okay. Okay. Nice. Nice. That's, that's good to know. I didn't know anything about that. So how, how long have you been doing that, uh, working with ESI? Yeah. So I haven't been with ESI for too long. Um, I just started, um, in the end of February. So what has been the, the most exciting part of working with ESI or what do you like the most about the company so far? Um, I would say how hands on it is. Um, we're big enough that we have big customers, but we're small enough where, um, if I'm, doing a design like i had to design a, a pcb which is a printed circuit board for one of uh, our the lights that go on one of our systems so i got to like design that and work with one of the other engineers to actually send that design in and then okay. get it back and then actually physically like solder the components onto there oh wow uh, for the actual like prototype testing um so that was definitely Fun. Whereas a bigger company, you might do be in the design process, but you might send it off to someone else and they okay. do everything else. Okay. So there's a lot of opportunities to work closely with the work from start to finish and not necessarily be modular and just do specific parts of it. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where it's easier to learn when you're being involved in almost every step of that, the process to build it. Nice. Nice. Well, that's good. What attracted you to ESI? So I'm curious, you said uh, you've been there four and a half months. Were you doing something before or what made you um, come to ESI? Yeah, so my my degree is in electrical engineering. So I've always wanted um, to have a job within that role. Mm -hmm. um, before ESI, I was with a company called Toast, uh, which they make the point of sale devices for restaurants. Um, I was oh, on I, the, I've heard of them. I've seen yeah. them in a few restaurants, actually. Yeah, they're very popular nowadays. Um, but I was on the networking side of things. So like VLANs, IP addresses, things like that. Okay. Um, which I enjoyed and I definitely learned a lot, um, with the people I was around and working with. But like I said, my degree is in electrical engineering. So my interest was always to end up in a role like that. Um, okay. so after, uh, I was with Toast for about, I want to say maybe two, two and a half years. Okay. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm really ready for a change. Okay. Uh, so at the beginning of the year, I started looking for jobs, um, searching hardcore for just like more engineering roles for electrical. Mm -hmm. um, found ESI, um, applied, got an interview, and the rest is history, as they say, I guess. <laughs> nice. That, that, that's super cool. So I, as you you talk through like the, the interview process and ESI and searching hardcore, was that pretty easy process or... Walk me through. I know some people have different experiences with interviews and some, some people it seems like they just, a job lands in their lap and other people it takes like a year to find a job. Yeah. So. Uh, I feel like for ESI, the, the whole process 
uh, was actually super quick between okay. when I um, interviewed and then when I got the offer was probably about a week. Um, if wow. not, I think less, um, which even compared to <laughs> when I got the job at Toast, it was it took at least a couple of weeks before that happened. Um, so for, for ESI, I think one of the reasons they were, they were looking for electrical engineers, um, which, um, w- helped me out <laughs> yeah. for sure in having that role. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was very quick po- process, which isn't, um, the norm for a lot of, uh, roles like that. That's awesome. I mean, good for you. I know the times that I've been waiting to hear back, it's, it's nerve wracking yeah. to say the least. Definitely. But yeah, so. Is your, is all you do electro day, eat, day, night, eat, sleep, all you do electro or what else you have going on? <laughs> no, I wish. I mean, I, I guess I don't wish. I like to <laughs> be multifaceted as, as the kids say, I guess. Um, kids. so, <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm, I'm into a lot of things. Um, the main thing I, I do on the side that I guess, um, brings me kind of uh, a secondary source of revenue would be, just videography, uh, videography, photography, video editing, nice. um, just um, kind of freelance um, on on that sort of thing. Nice. So, how long have you been doing that? Um, so I started professionally. I would say um, I got my first job um, with it when I was a sophomore or junior at Iowa State. Um, okay. I was um, hired as the uh, videographer for the office of registrar, so I was editing okay. videos for. Um, for them, um, from there, I was there for about a year and then I moved still within Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. I went to a company called Championship Productions. Mm-hmm. Um, I was editing videos for, uh, for them. They do a lot of sports videos. Iowa State's a big sports school. So, uh, with the volleyball, basketball, um, football, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been interested in this video photo since I was a kid, but I would say as far as, uh, making money from it. It's been the last probably four, five years ish, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I know a lot of us have the side hustles now. I think through 2020 has been booming side hustles. You see it through TikTok and LinkedIn and all social media. You know, I mean, we've always had influencers, but I think like it's just exploded. So I'm curious because I feel like you kind of started that before. Well, you did start before 2020 when all that was booming. Mm-hmm. What kind of drew you to photography uh, in the first place? Yeah. Or videography, all of that stuff. Um, I'm trying to think back because I've always been interested in this making videos. Even when I was a kid, like mm-hmm. five, six years old, I had <laughs> this little yeah. webcam. Yeah. Um, and I'd always get my, my brothers and sister and uh, even friends and record short movies and short videos. Um, so I've always been interested in just making content in that sense and taking mm-hmm. photos and being creative um, in that role. Um, so I think as I got older, um, I, I figured out that, I mean, why not get decent at this and make money from mm-hmm. it? That's that's fair to monetize it. No, I, I totally agree with you there. And to those on the podcast, <laughs> Matthew is my brother. And I remember some of the movies we <laughs> we did growing up between Secret's us and our other, revealed. yeah, 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 our other younger, yeah, our other younger brother and our, our sister, like the Agent Dan series. I remember that, yep, and some other stuff that we did, like, yeah, I don't know, like, like you said, probably like 
five or six. I think I was like seven or eight at the time. So yeah, you definitely been doing it uh, for a while just to have fun with it. But I think it's really cool to see you to monetize it in the last several years. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm kind of curious because I, I know a lot of people have side hustles and they're <laughs> like hustle hard and like no sleep, work all the time. Like, well, what is valuable to you? Because I know some people, they we talk about work-life balance, but like to me, I don't really think that's a thing. I mean, it is a thing, but some people kind of prioritize one or the other depending on what stage you are in life. So I'm kind of curious what a typical day looks like for you between like your ESI work. Well, a day might not be the best way to do it. Maybe like in a week as far as the hours you're putting in for ESI versus the hours you're putting in for photography, videography. I didn't know if you had a set schedule or, or something like that. Yeah, so it, it all depends. Um, since it is freelance, I'm taking projects here and there from friends mm-hmm. or friends of friends. So ESI, um, it's pretty strict in the sense it's it's a regular, I guess, nine to five, as they say. Yeah. So <laughs> once I get home, I'm not really thinking about work until I come in the next yep. day, which is nice. Um, and then once I'm home, I mean, like I said, whatever projects I, um, I'm working at, at at the time. Um, so this past week, I just shot, um, or did a photo shoot. Um, for a friend who owns this, I think it's a Mixolydia company. It's like a Mexican kind of, um, sauce that they make. Oh. I'm not exactly, I'm not describing it properly, <laughs> um, at all. Um, but, uh, they just released like a clothing line. So they have like t-shirts and all that stuff. Okay. Have you enjoyed listening to the Incredible Paul podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to IncrediPaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to link in my socials bio and click on the Incredible shop. Looking forward to seeing your Incredible look. Um, so they had got, uh, like five or six people, um, and I did a photo shoot for them. Um, I grinded out the edit for those photos, sent it over. And then this weekend, I also probably did a video shoot for them. They have a little stand where they're selling stuff. So getting some videos <laughs> for them. Um, so it all depends. And then I think early July, I'll be helping as a second shooter for a wedding as well. <laughs> so it, it, it's all depends. It's here and there. Um, so it's not all the same from week to week and some weeks i don't have anything which is nice uh so that just have a break but i can still rely yeah. on my like i said nine to five for that steady income and steady uh reliability okay no that that's that's nice so it's not like you have you have to make tons of money from your side hustle it's more so a passion that you're trying to monetize yeah definitely and that's yeah. why i even got into it because it's something i like I said enjoy doing um, so I, I said, might as well make money from it and be able to control what projects I take, um, or how often I'm able to do things like that. Yeah. So that's cool. Or what are your thoughts to, let's say, put your, put myself in someone, um, in young engineer, maybe just graduated from school or about to graduate, still in school and they, they're starting, they want to do something else. So like you're doing photography. Maybe they have a passion for, for drawing and they're not necessarily on the civil engineering side. Maybe they're an electrical engineer like you. 
Um, any advice for them or what are your thoughts on, I can, I think I kind of know the answer, but I want to get your thoughts on, uh, doing multiple things at the same time. How do you prioritize? How do you make sure you, you're staying focused on your career, but you don't give up your passion? Yeah. I would say if, if you're wanting to get into something like that, just start. Um, there's never a, a wrong time to just start doing it. Um, but at the same time, when it comes to balance, I think giving a hundred and whatever you're doing at the time. So if you're at work, try not to be thinking about <laughs> drawing or something. <laughs> try to be a hundred percent focused on what you're doing at that time. Mm-hmm. I, and I get this like downtime and maybe times where you don't have as much to do that day and maybe yeah. you, um, have time to work on something else. Uh, but try to give it your all at every, at what you're working on at that time. And then outside of work, um, spending time to, I think, learn on your passion or what you have interest in. Mm-hmm. So with, with YouTube and all these stuff nowadays, it's so easy to get good at or just learn, um, from other people who have done it before or who are good at it in, in that sense. Um, just looking up things and, and working on it. And then from there, I mean, just going out and finding people who are just, interested in what you have to give and do i like that especially just getting started i feel like that is often when i talk to people which coaching and speaking to people just getting started is the often the hardest thing not to say that oh you got started it's it's easy but there's just like inertia like once you're in motion it's easier to stay in motion mm-hmm. and when you're not in motion it's harder to to get in motion. So shout out to Isaac Newton for that. I guess the <laughs> second law or first law, whatever it is. I, I think, I think that's really good. I, I know all the thing you talked about with YouTube, everything is on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I'd like try to fix things that I, I feel like I watched the same video like five times because I don't remember it the last time. Yeah. So I think that's, that's really cool to, to just use your resources mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to, to pay for things. Um, but what about the other side of things as far as, um, just kind of creating a framework for your side hustle or having people find you? And I know like for photography, videography, there's portfolios involved like uh, with that as well. So, um, what are some stuff you, you do in that space or how has that been for you as far as like getting clients or just having a presence online? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say the first step, even before presence online, is just um, practice. Like I said, work on your craft and document your progress. Don't, and not necessarily like some people like to post on Instagram when they're first starting out. I was like, I'm not the type of person that likes to post when I'm like in the baby stages of starting yeah, something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, document your progress in, in the sense that um, if you started somewhere, make sure you have <clears throat> for photos, you can easily, um, archive or b- backup things and you can go back yeah. and see oh yeah i used to edit it this way or take photos this way and i've mm-hmm. come a long way so document and that just helps you see how much you've grown um and then from there um as far as online presence i think um starting off is just word of mouth like people who mm-hmm. who know you probably know what you're into um probably know um what you're capable of mm-hmm. so if they see oh he's been working on this maybe i have a graduation coming up. Hey, would you mm-hmm. be able to, um, uh, shoot a video or shoot a photo for, for this graduation? Um, and starting off, um, a lot of people say this, but don't be afraid to do it for free. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people want to make crazy money starting off. And especially if you enjoy it, 
something like that is like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be able to shoot that for you for free just because you enjoy doing it. it it's a mm-hmm. opportunity to practice what you've been doing um, on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just build up those portfolios and progress. And then nowadays, like I said, with YouTube and then with like sites like Squarespace and Wix and things like that, just build a website. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I did. I think it was during COVID. It was, was, was when I first published my website mm-hmm. in the public. But yeah, have a place where people can go to and see your, your work. Um, so yeah. with Instagram, that's easy now. You can make a photo page and just post yeah. photos. Um, having a website, having YouTube, there's so many yeah. ways um, to do that now. Oh, that's awesome. I like what you said about the practice, especially with not getting paid, because I think there we're in this culture, like the grace or res- the great resignation where there's a lot of jobs, but there's a lot of people who don't want to work at those jobs either. So it's like people are doing different things, finding different ways to work. And I feel like it's easy to get caught up in what we're seeing on social media, all the highlights. You're like, Oh, I'm making $10,000 a month from sponsorships off yeah. of Instagram or LinkedIn, or even TikTok at times. But we don't know how long those people have been doing that stuff, putting in that work, putting in that practice. And a lot of times, I I think I've I've said this, not on this podcast, but I've told people, like, there's no such thing as an overnight success. Like, people work thousands of hours, hundreds of hours to become overnight success. Just because you didn't see all the work they put in doesn't mean they weren't putting in that work. So I think that's super key. And I, I definitely agree with you there as far as just having the online presence. Like what I did then with Incredible, same thing. I launched it during COVID. It was something I've been doing for a while and wasn't really getting paid for. I just did it because I love to do it through LSAMP, which helps a lot of people who are underrepresented in STEM. And I, and I was doing it there for free, coming and speaking to conferences. And then someone kind of, place a thought in my mind about like kind of monetizing it and and I think there's a couple of times I got paid for things but I like I said they have a website didn't have videos and have any of the stuff that I did so if no one would have if no one would have no idea what I did unless they talked to me I mean even like on social media I had nothing like I didn't post a couple of things we were yeah. like oh this is just a dude that's an engineer and like has fun occasionally but right. that's about it um, yeah, so that's a good point. And something I think I want to bring up on, on the other side of, of things. Um, I know at the beginning I said, like, don't be afraid to work for free, but I think once you start to get good at something, don't be afraid to charge your worth too. I think that's yeah. something important to bring up because yeah. once you start to get to that kind of middle ground or the higher ground of your, you're starting to get good at it. It's easy to be like, if a friend has a photo shoot, or once a photo shoot that's maybe going to take you a couple hours to shoot and then mm-hmm. another couple hours to edit and then it's going to take a lot of time. Don't be afraid to say like, Hey, like this is what I charge for something like that. Just cause they're a friend doesn't mean you have to, um, let them, <laughs> if you want to, you can, but let yeah. everything slide for free. Um, I think that's important to bring up because, um, it's just one of those things that, uh, especially for video and photos, you're spending hundreds, thousands, some people tens of thousands on, on equipment, on, yeah, on lenses, sure. camera bodies, like yeah. software. And then this time alone is almost like priceless nowadays too. Um, yeah. So um, that's something I, I just thought of as you were going on. But yeah. Oh, that's a good point. 
there is that balance to it. Like, like the practice is really important when you're first starting. Well, I think Alexa's trying to get involved in the conversation. <laughs> Keep it down over there. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the practice is definitely important in the beginning, but there is a fine balance. I know, like, between the two of us, like, you've been doing it for the longest time. I've been doing some of this for a while. Kind of phrase it to a question as far. What are your thoughts about what point? And I know I have some ideas. I want to get your thought as far as at what point do you transition from I'm practicing and I'm just doing it for practice as opposed to I am actually good at this. Maybe I'm not the best at this, but I consider myself a professional. Even as professional, you can always get better. But at what point do you say like you're transitioning from practice and doing things for free and then getting paid to do it? Yeah, that that is a tough question because it, I would say it, it varies um, for each person and for yeah. just the situation they're in. Um, I, I, I would say once you get to a point where you kind of take a step back and you're like, okay, I'm getting pretty good at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I can tell I'm putting the time in, mm-hmm. I'm learning, um, and I'm like, critiquing myself and making sure I'm doing things well. Yeah. I would say once you start to get at least somewhat serious about it, that's the time to start charging people. And you can start small, be like, Hey, maybe I'll do a photo shoot for 20 bucks for you mm-hmm. for half an hour or something. Yeah. It doesn't have to <laughs> jump up to like, I'll, I'll charge you 10 K for an hour or something. <laughs> we're not, we're not talking that big here, but start somewhere. Um, I like I said, once you start to get serious about, what you're doing and you're putting the time in, you've put the money in, you have the equipment. Um, I, I would say that would be the time to, to start uh, monetizing things from there. So that's a good point. I think there's a lot of intentionality with that. This is like previous podcasts. I talk about growth and how that takes me intentional. I'm really taking the steps to do it. So I think when you, when you got to the stage that, Hey, I'm doing this, but I'm going to be really purposeful as far as, like you said, the equipment, the time to actually get better. And you got to a certain stage. I think even with that, you just have to just do it. Like we, we kind of said earlier, just yeah. start doing it because Shout out to Nike. JK. Yeah. I know, right. They have the best slogan. I think everyone is, we are all sponsored for Nike because we're all saying just do it, whether or not we're talking about Nike or not. But Nike, if you want to sponsor this podcast, I would love it. I'll take anyway. 10%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, but I think, yeah, just, just doing it as part of it, cause there's a sense of imposter syndrome. I've talked about that in a, a previous podcast is that we feel like we see the high end people out there, but there's what I've learned, especially with the stuff I've been doing with speaking and coaching is that you don't necessarily have to be the high end people because the high end people, they charge high end prices because they demand that. But there's some people who don't necessarily need those, need that because they're just beginning. They might just be a couple steps behind you and you can help that person. And it, and there's a certain amount that you can charge them, but they're more likely to work with you because you're more approachable. It's like, okay, this person is kind of, is not too far removed from me. Mm-hmm. They can kind of help walk me through that, those stuff because they've been there as opposed to the other person who's maybe like 10 years long in the road. They can probably still do the same. But that person just starting out is probably not going to be willing to invest the amount of money for that, that person. Right. So I think, honestly, I would say if if you can charge, 
I would say try to charge as early as possible, unless you're like just beginning and never done it, which if you've never done it before, do not charge because right. you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like if you're but taking you, pictures you on your be, cell phone, maybe not. But Yeah, yeah. You're taking pictures on yourself. I don't care if it's the iPhone 13 Pro Max. I'm like, <laughs> it might. I know there's all the stuff that says shot on iPhone, but there's also the editing part of it. And all the other stuff that goes in. It's not just taking great pictures. It's also the the staging of it, getting the right backgrounds, and some of the other stuff that you can tell me about because I'm not a professional photographer <laughs> by any means. But I would say because I had a mentor that I reached out to, and I think mentorship is is key when you're doing things that you've never done because a mentor can take you places that you never thought you could go. So I reached out to a couple of people when I was starting in Paul. One of them, she told me, is that one of the first things she told me is that you charge for your time. And yeah. I I didn't really think about it because I was thinking about, I'm so I had two different vendors. One of the mentors were more on the stage, like you get the practice, get the work in. And the other person's like, you're putting in, you're putting in time. Time is money. You charge for your time. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. Uh, so I think there is, there is both. And there's a little bit of the practice and then the pay part. Honestly, there, there's been cases like at the beginning when I was doing things that I, I asked for payment and they're like, we can't pay or we don't have a budget for it right now. But if you do this, something can open up later. And I've just taken that yeah. because I'm doing something that I'm passionate about. Cause I think if you're doing stuff just for the sake of making money, it's going to be really frustrating for you because Definitely. like you said, uh, even with your full-time job and this, it's sometimes it's dry out there because everyone is, competing in the, the same pond so to speak and you kind of you have to like kind of filter out and reach through friends or friends of friends and you just have to put in that work and people have to to know what you're capable of but i would say yeah just just do it just start start charging like look up i think like we talk about google and youtube look up what the average price for uh what you should charge in your craft I and mean, it's all on there i looked at it like People kind of the beginning stages of speaking and coaching versus people in the middle range. And so I'll, I probably lowball myself at the beginning, like at the beginning, even though I was doing it for a while, but not in like the professional in quotes <laughs> uh, standpoint. But mm-hmm. I think the worst people can say is, no, we don't have the funding or no, we, we can't do it. Um, but then there's also, there's sometimes you can be strategic about kind of later layering things and maybe there's like an intro thing that's free but then that leads into other things that they kind of pay for <clears throat> just having having like you said different steps of maybe different things of like this is the like mid-range lower range or higher range you mm-hmm. charge for things like that um uh, yeah I, I like that yeah and even like what you talk about friends or family i know most people have a friends or family rate like you have a rate you charge everyone else Mm-hmm. But then you have a friends and family rate. And one thing, I don't know if you've done this, but if someone told me this, like if you ever uh, offer a discount for, ever re- for any reason, make sure you put the actual price, cross it out and put the discounted price. So they don't think that this is the normal price all the time. So that, so they, they, they see the value, like this is what you are actually worth. But because of that relationship, like maybe this first time around, they're going to charge a little bit less. So even when they go to refer you to someone else, if they, if someone's like, Oh, what did you pay for it? And they just have that one price at this kind of price. And I think that's your price, but we don't want to know what inflation and stuff things change. 
Um, so, but just having an understanding like, hey, at this season right now, this is the price. I might give you a discount, but for anyone else, this is the price they're paying. Right. Actually, I, I think that's really good. I've never actually thought of putting in like, uh, visibly for people to actually see and then mm-hmm. crossing that out. And that's, that's definitely good advice there. So I, I think I saw like either from watching different things or maybe a mentor told me, I know there's, I'm always reading different stuff and trying to just stay on top of different things. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely worked. And just having that conversation too is like, Hey, like I really, I really value maybe it's a company or like, uh, some uh organization that really adds value and even if you're doing it for free like you could still give an invoice like this is how much i'm normally worth but for this uh, like whatever it is and i use paypal for that and it's totally free you you could actually get paid through paypal but you don't necessarily have to but you can create the invoice and they make it pretty easy to put the amount and then put the discount on what it actually is and you can just print it out send it to them and that's documentation for them as well Mm-hmm. It helps a lot. But yeah, any other tips of as far as either balancing between work life and side hustle life or just for photography in general? Um, for photography, I would say, um, what comes to mind, um, going off of like, I, I think we're, we're saying it over, over again, but just start. Um, and in, in that sense, don't be afraid when you're starting out to use your phone. <laughs> yeah. If it is photography or video, um, just because getting that practice down, working on composition, mm-hmm. um, just how to take the initial photos. Don't don't be afraid to start with what you have. And there's so mm-hmm. many so many YouTube videos and people who will say the same thing um, because people think, oh, I need to buy the most expensive camera to at least be decent. But um, you got to have that basic knowledge of of things mm-hmm. first before you work into getting anything crazy expensive and if you have the money to get something super nice starting off more power to you i mean that's just still the barrier of entry to learning something more expensive is higher than using your phone so that's that's a good point is there any like i'm just putting in the perspective of someone that's new to it they're using their phone are there any kind of free editing uh software i think there's the one through uh, Apple, the uh, iMovie, you can use that. Or is there any others that you recommend just for someone starting off to just see if they even like doing it? Yeah, for, for video, iMovie is, is pretty capable. It's only for uh, Mac, I believe. Mm-hmm. There's DaVinci Resolve, uh, which the, I, I know it's usually used for color grading, but the, the editing portion of things, at least the free version is pretty intense. So I would okay. start there. But even if you just have Windows Movie Maker, if you're if you're a very beginner, use that and learn how to cut clips together and learn mm-hmm. timing and how things flow. Um, and even uh, with going back to your phone, how to shoot things and different angles and, and things like that um, for your phone, for for photos. I think Lightroom uh, for your phone is free as okay. far as I know. Um, Lightroom for computer is like a monthly fee. Uh, but there's other like photo editing software out there that, that are free that I know of, but none of the, the names of those come to mind at the, at the moment, but it's okay. a quick Google search away and you can find those. And, um, if you're really wanting to do it, you'll, you'll find it out. So no, that's true. One thing I've definitely seen as I've been through this journey of entrepreneurship is when you start doing things, there's a lot of stuff that just comes up and it may have always been there. 
but you just didn't see it before. I forgot the the effect that it is. I think it's the same thing like when you buy a new car. You, you see that car all the time when you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like when you're moving that direction, you, you start to see it. So I would say for anyone who's thinking about starting a business, a side hustle, even if you're you're still in college or you're just in a new career, just just do it. Just start it. Um, and then reach out for mentors. I, I, I definitely need to have a, I think I've talked about mentorship in some of the episodes, but I'm going to have, going to focus an episode just on mentorship and how key that is just mm-hmm. to success. But I think we're, we're about out of time, but I want to make sure people can stay connected to you, uh, whether it's for photography needs or just to see the, the cool stuff you do on, on your, your website, on your social. So I'm, so just share with them how they can find you, how they follow you. Yeah, the big way is MatthewFarambi.com. That's Matthew, Matthew F-A-R-O-N-B-I dot com. I have the links to all my socials um, on there. I have awesome. um, links to my work, photos, things like that, a little bit more about me, where I work, and things like that. So um, if you want to find out more about me, I would say my website is the, is the go-to place. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know between... Working and side hustle, like you have, really have to carve out time to do things, other the things. Grind never stops. Yeah, the yeah, really, yeah. the grind never stops. That's that's so true. Well, yeah, uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, for all, all those listeners out there, just don't forget to to rate and review this podcast. If there's anyone out there that you want me to interview, uh, definitely reach out and let me know. And continue to join me on this journey of becoming a greater you because you're the only version of you out there. So why not be the greatest version? Thank you for listening to the Incredible Paul podcast with Paul Ferranbi. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time and be incredible. Incredible. incredible.